evening and welcome to Guys Guys Radio. This is your host, Robert Manny, sometimes known as the Guys Guy. Welcoming to you to the show. It is Wednesday, August 30th, 2017. Let me ask you a question. Do you want to dominate your fantasy football draft? Well, if you do, you came to the right place because our special guest who's been on the show, I think three or four years now, is Scott Swainey. The fantasy football Sherpa, the fantasy sports Sherpa, he is an expert, and he's going to help us all out in a few moments. I'm going to quickly, because I love fantasy football so much, I'm going to just quickly do an intro. We're going to skip our weekly feature of the Guys Guys Guide because we want to jam as much football as we can into the podcast. So let's start out by just talking about fantasy football a little bit. You know, at this time of year, we're kind of getting out of the summer months. So many people and so much focus in the media is on fantasy football, specifically this week, because most of the drafts and auctions are taking place either last week or this week or leading right up before the opening day uh, kickoff, which I believe is next Thursday. Uh, my league uh, that I've been in for 22 years now, uh, we have our draft next Tuesday, and I think that's a perfect time. Um, there's a lot of things to consider when you're in fantasy football. What type of league you're in? Is it an auction league where you bid money on players and salaries? Is it a PPR, points per reception league, which gives uh, more value to uh, third down running backs and also uh, wide receivers who catch a lot of balls who may not score as many touchdowns? They don't go vertical as much. Uh, or are you in a regular league, a non-PPR league? My league, it's interesting, we have been a non-PPR league forever. And somebody, uh, two weeks before the uh, five days before we were going to put our keepers in, our league, it's a 12-team league, we're allowed three keepers. Uh, and then you get a contract for the keeper where you can keep that player for three years. However, the player moves up in the round that you originally acquired or drafted him at each year uh, and then eventually gets spit out um, when you get to uh, the the if it's a fourth rounder he goes to a number one if it's a fifth rounder he goes to a number two excuse me if it's a fourth rounder he goes to a three a three goes to a two two goes to a one I think that's semi-standard in a lot of leagues the issue was though should we switch the type of league we had knowing that we had to put keepers in because based on the previous year's draft Nobody really drafted or made pickups based on PPR because we'd never been a PPR league. Well, the motion got voted down and uh, the owners actually opted to stay with a non-PPR league. And thinking about it, uh, I would have done it for 2018 and we're going to vote on it again, I believe, at our draft next week. But I actually have learned to uh, and come to love the non-PPR league because it values the uh, running backs. And one of the things we're going to talk about with uh, the Sherpa is kind of the resurgence of the value of running backs. Uh, they were being poo-pooed the last couple of years. It was all about wide receivers and quarterbacks. And now all of a sudden, based on what happened last year's running backs became incredibly valuable, uh, even though there was a lot of injuries and a lot of committees. If you had a stud running back, you, know, you, you can pretty much pencil in a uh, half dozen points every week at that position and sometimes 20 points and, and plus I had Le'Veon Bell and uh, he carried me to the championship. Uh, and even though I actually, I also had Adrian Peterson who was hurt, uh, but just having a superstar like uh, Le'Veon Bell really helps now with my league. And I don't know about your league out there, but I had to throw Le'Veon Bell back in cause I had him for three years and he's been injured on and off, but these are just some of the, things and considerations that we have when we're playing fantasy football and makes it so much fun. There's so many leagues and offices and uh, just with groups of friends. And it's something that can create bonding with friends, networking opportunities. And also if you're in a, an office league, uh, it's, it's a good uh, uh, morale booster and it's, and it's fun. Uh, so I hope you've taken advantage of fantasy football because you're going to have football rubbed in your face all over the media and fantasy football for the next five months. So you might as well join them, as uh, they always say. So think about it. Uh, let's talk a little bit about 
the whole Guys Guys brand very quickly, and then we'll bring on our special guest. So Guys Guys Radio, we're doing a sports special tonight. We do some shows on wellness. We do some shows on relationships. We talk to some writers, some entertainers. And it's really all about when men and women can be at their best, everyone wins. Better men, better world. And it all started with my novel, The Guys Guys Guide to Love, about two men in advertising competing for love, sex, power, and money. The book's available mostly online now. You can pick it up, uh, physical copy or uh, e-copy on uh, Amazon or any of the e-tailers. Um, then we launched my website, robertmanni.com, and we do a weekly blog. We've done approaching 300 blog posts now. And uh, usually in our Guys, Guys, Guide segment, I kind of give a preview of the weekly blog post. But uh, we want to focus on football. So uh, I'll quickly skip through this and then we'll get right to the show. Uh, You can catch me on Twitter, YouTube, and all of our now 239 podcasts of Guys, Guys Radio are available on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. And I would ask if you want to help us out and you want to support the program, Please subscribe, rate, and review, or subscribe, or rate, or review Guys Guys Radio on iTunes. It makes a difference. It pushes us up in the rankings. As you know, as I always say, I'm bootstrapping, uh, building this, and it's all for the benefit of our listeners. So I appreciate the support. We're growing. Our listeners are approaching 100,000 downloads, and uh, we're having a lot of fun with this, and I really enjoy doing this work and meeting so many fantastic people, guests, and callers. Now, if you want to give us a call during the show, if you have a question for the Sherpa, let me give you that number. It is <clears throat> excuse me, 347-945-5834. So if you have a fancy football question, 347-945-5834. I'm not going to get into the weather. I'm not going to get into Donald Trump. I'm not going to get into the... Uh, the new MLB uniforms, which I think are horrible, uh, but I will say this. Our hearts go out to all those folks in Houston. It's really devastating what's going on down there, so keep them in your thoughts and prayers, and if you can contribute, please do that. I wish our president would deep into, dig into his deep pockets and uh, send, him a, uh, send them a personal check. That would be, I think, a good sign of goodwill, uh, much overdue. So anyhow, without further ado, uh, we're going to take a very quick break, and then we're going to come back and bring out our special guest, the fantasy football Sherpa, Scott Sweeney. Okay, we're back, and we're ready to roll, and it's time to talk about fantasy football. So let's get ready to roll. Let's get ready to rumble. Let's get ready to kick off, and let's bring our special guest on. Right now, he is Scott Sweeney, the fantasy football Sherpa. He's back on Guys Guys Radio in a special fantasy football episode. He's got all your answers on all fantasy sports at uh, his website. He is the Sherpa. He's going to give you all the social media information, and I'm going to bring him on right now. Good evening, Scott. How are you? Hey, Robert. How are you? I'm great, thanks. Uh, Very good. Let's start out very quickly. So if somebody wants to follow along with your website while we're on the podcast, why don't you tell everybody where they can find their football information for you? And then we'll circle back to that again at the end. Sure. My website is fantasyfootballsherpa.com. You can also find me on Twitter at at fantasy underscore Sherpa. And I also have a Facebook page, Fantasy Football Sherpa. It's uh, a pseudo blog and do a weekly podcast during the um, football season called the fourth and inches show with Jana and the Sherpa. Fantastic. And it's a great show. So check that out. It's on uh, iTunes. Uh, So I urge all the listeners and highly recommend Scott's podcast and he's been doing it for a long time and it's, it's a good listen and very informative. So let's start out Scott with, um, uh, what I had mentioned in the intro, the whole regular versus PPR, I gave the little uh, story about my league. What are your thoughts and where is the trend going in terms of uh, many leagues that you play in now? Are they, is everything moving towards PPR? Is it staying with the uh, traditional? I personally like the va- valuing the running backs. I don't like these extra points for PPR, but maybe I just because I haven't played it. And it's also a half point league also for PPR, correct? Sure. Yeah, you can, you know, you'll see leagues that'll give either half a point or a point uh, per reception. And those are fun. But as you mentioned, too, those tend to devalue the running backs a little bit. So I play in a mixture. Most of the ones I play in are PPR, but um, one that 
I mean, that just started up last year, in fact, is, is not a PPR. It's, um, so, you know, it's a good mixture, but I personally prefer the PPR a little bit, but you know, the, the non-PPR is, is just as much fun. Why, why do you, just out of curiosity, why do you prefer PPR? I think that makes it a little bit more interesting when you, you know, throw in the, you know, the catches that the running backs make too. And just, you know, how do you change the way you would value them relative to the wide receivers? Yeah. And then the wide receivers too, is it some guy who plays in the slot that has a ton of catches, but, you know, has a relatively small average yards per catch, or is it some guy that, you know, catches a lot of bombs, but, you know, doesn't necessarily have the, you know, the, the highest number of catches. So I think it just makes, you know, one more, variable to consider. And mm-hmm. for me, that's fun, but you know, I, I certainly understand the appeal and enjoy playing in the non PPR leagues just as much. Got it. Uh, let's start right where uh, I think we should. And that is this whole notion of the resurgence of the running backs. Um, what's your thoughts on that going into fantasy football drafts and auctions? Is it true? I, I tend to be someone that would always value running backs over you know, wide receivers with the early picks just because of supply and demand. You know, it used to be every team pretty much had a workhorse running back, and then there were a few that had, you know, a handful that had running back by a committee where you really couldn't predict ahead of time who was going to get the bulk of the yards. You know, that's really changed a lot. I think part of that just to longevity concerns and part of it just, you know, teams wanting to diversify a little bit more. And so, you know, in recent years, you know, you have – a lot more running backs by committee, and now you could probably count, you know, pretty much with your hands the number of teams that really just have that one go-to running back anymore. Last year might have been a little bit of an anomaly in terms of you know the the points that you know the running backs, the top running backs scored relative to the top wide receivers. We'll have to see you know, again this year if that continues, and maybe it's a trend. But you know, just in terms of draft strategies, it really hasn't altered my strategy in most. Formats, I would still be looking to take two and maybe even three running backs with my first four picks, depending on the exact format you know, and the exact scoring system. Interesting. Um, how about a, a quick discussion? Uh, we'll get into the specifics on running backs and some of the players and their situations. But um, what are your feelings about keepers and uh, having a strategy? Let's, we'll use my league just as an example. Having three keepers that have three-year contracts. I think that's probably the medium that we're looking at. Do you like keepers? And uh, if so, do you base it on value? Do you base it on best player available? What's your uh, advice? I think it depends. The first and foremost criterion would be where did you get the player relative to where would they go if you threw them back in the pool now? If you have a guy in the that would cost you a third-round draft pick this year, and maybe you would get him in the second round. You know, I'd be on the fence about that. If you had a guy that you were you know, drafted, that you originally drafted in the 15th round, and this year you can keep him for a third round pick, you know, to me that's a much more obvious value than. Uh, excuse me, if if he's only costing you, you know, if if you would throw him back in the draft and he would be picked in the third round, but he's only mm-hmm. costing you something like a 12th round keeper pick, then to me that's a much more obvious value than. Yeah, the the first example I gave. Uh, How about in terms of uh, should you use all of your keeper picks? I noticed in my league at least one team only used two picks. I figured, geez, you know, if you if you picked up, uh, we have a rule uh, that if you pick somebody up as a free agent, you can't keep them. And the other rule is if you drafted somebody as a uh, as a sixteen, it becomes a thirteen. So how does that impact um, decisions, uh, decision-making in terms of uh, who to keep and who not to keep? I, again, it would just depend on the specifics of that team, you know, how much you know, value did they think they would have in, in keeping you know, players. If, if they thought you know, that the guy that they would throw back you know, would cost them a third-round pick and they would get him in the third round of the draft, Anyway, then you know maybe that's mm-hmm. the right decision to to only keep two players. But yeah, it depends. Yeah, you know, too. I think if I remember the specifics of your league, there's three keepers in the you know the rosters or, or just twenty or something like that. But anyway, 
the number of keepers is relatively small to the total roster. So there, I think it's not quite as crucial as it would be if it were more like a dynasty league where, you know, the default is that you keep the guy and, you know, you're basically just picking over scraps and rookies when you do your draft. Then mm-hmm. to me, you know, there, that would be a lot less defensible to, to not keep players then. But um, in, in the format that you have there, you know, I, yeah, ideally you have three players that you think are, are worth keeping, you know, because they're good values. But if not, I think there's no reason to force it. You might as well just have the extra pick in the draft then. Got it. Um, how many, uh, well, we don't have to, you don't have to tell us how many leagues you're playing in, but in all the leagues that you're in, what have been your observations as to uh, what are the kind of the headlines as to what's been happening out there and any surprises? I think, well, one wrench, of course, is some of the suspensions and the injuries that we've seen. So if someone like Ezekiel Elliott, is he going to be suspended for six games? Is he going to have his suspension taken to court and therefore postponed indefinitely, in which case he wouldn't miss any time? That's a big wild card. Depending on how that's resolved, you could see him you know, being taken anywhere from the end of the first round down to the fourth or fifth round, depending on how serious you, know, you think that's going to be. I think by and large, you know, with the exception of Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady, most people have you know, learned through trial and error that it's best not to take a quarterback in the early rounds, that you know, you're much better off taking running backs and wide receivers in the early rounds and then filling in, you know, even if it's a – second or third tier quarterback, the drop off between the top guys and the second or third tier guys is much less a quarterback than it might be a running back and even a wide receiver. So yeah, those those are a couple of things that I've noticed in the in the drafts that I've done so far. Um when you say uh the early rounds, where would you think let's say let's put Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady aside, uh maybe Drew Brees also, but for the other quarterbacks, what would be uh a good starting point to start looking at QBs. Now, you don't want to get the, the really drag. There are some situations, in my opinion, there's some situations in the NFL now where the quarterbacks are, are, are worthless, like uh, on the Jets. Uh, then you have some rookies that we don't know how they're going to do. Uh, and, you know, to me, when you have, uh, uh, you know, if five, if you have five QBs that have been protected, then, you know, there's, there's probably another, eight still available. When do you start going after these guys? I think the the key question there is, are you playing in a league where you start one quarterback or you start two quarterbacks? Mm-hmm. If you start two quarterbacks, you're, you're definitely right. You don't want to wait too long lest you end up, you know, starting Deshaun Kaiser and right. you know, Josh McCown. Nobody wants that. But yeah, you know, if it's a one quarterback league, I think, you know, seventh, eighth round, you know, after you've had, you know, four mm-hmm. running backs and two wide receivers or three and three, you know, I think then it's, you know, time to start looking at quarterbacks and tight ends, depending on, you know, exactly what the roster requirements are. But if you're in a one quarterback league, like most leagues are, I really don't think you have to rush it that even, you know, old reliable options like Andy Dalton and Eli Manning are likely to be around yeah, and they might not, get you the points that the, the Brady's and the Rogers and the breeze as well, but you know, they'll still do you a serviceable job. And in the meantime, you've had a chance to, to draft an extra running back or wide receiver earlier in the draft when your you know, competitors were, were taking or keeping, you know, a higher ranked quarterback then. Now, if you're in a one quarterback league, uh, do you, let's just stay with quarterbacks for a little bit. Do you think a couple of questions? One, do you think it's worthwhile to draft two quarterbacks or, you know, you might, if you have a good quarterback, you might only play that other quarterback one game. If the other one stays healthy, what are your thoughts on that? I think you definitely want a second quarterback for your bench, if nothing else. But again, if you get somebody that you're totally happy with for your first quarterback, and as you said, you're only, you know, barring injury or unforeseen circumstances, you're only going to start, your your second quarterback once, then yeah, by all means wait and take a flyer on you know, somebody who might not be as highly ranked later on the draft, whether it's an Andy Dalton or a Carson Palmer, somebody yeah, I would tend to 
grab a, you know, go one of two routes, either, you know, sort of the old reliable quarterbacks that are likely to be out there still, you know, 10, 12 rounds into your draft, or else try to you know, speculate on a, you know, a Marcus Mariota or a Jameis Winston if they're still out there, or, you know, if those guys are gone, you know, maybe, you know, you know somebody like a, a Sam Bradford or, or somebody that, or Matthew Stafford that, that often gets overlooked. What's your feeling on some up-and-comers? Like you mentioned Winston, so I'd like to get your thoughts on Winston. Also, uh, Derek Carr, uh, I hear two things about him. One, I hear he's up-and-coming uh, for sure. Uh, his stats have been headed in the right direction. I know he got hurt at the end of last year. But he does play in a division that has tough defenses. Uh, but he does have more weapons now, and he's kind of coming into his prime. Uh, Winston, a uh, similar situation where he's got more weapons now, and he's got another year under his belt. What do you think about those young guns? I actually like both of them quite a bit, and I know this flies in the face of most ranking systems, but you know, I would probably put Carr and Winston three and four in my rankings of quarterbacks for the season, largely based on the fact that I expect that their offenses are going to be much better and that you know, even though Oakland has Marshawn Lynch now and you know, Tampa Bay has Doug Martin when he gets back from his suspension and a couple guys to fill in in the meantime. I think both those teams are, are going to see the vast majority of their offensive yards through the air. And yeah, I, I'm super high on the prospects for, for both of them. Even as you mentioned, Carr playing you know, against the defenses, the likes of Denver and Kansas city. I still think he's a really good pick for this year, but again, someone that you know, in a lot of leagues probably isn't going until you know, the, the 10th or 12th, quarterback so you know, to me that's somebody that if you don't miss out on the Rodgers if you miss out on Rodgers and Brady and Breeze wait a few rounds and then grab somebody like Derek Carr then or Marcus Mariota yeah I, I agree with you 100% um, on Mariota Carr and and Winston I, I like Carr a lot um, but uh, I think you're right and it's interesting because uh, you know I'm seeing like Russell Wilson is is ranked almost like number four and uh, you know, to me, uh, he's a guy who is going to be running less and less. And I'm not sure if he is going to be as great a player as a strictly drop back passer. Yes, he's going to move around. He's got good wheels, but he's not going to just be taking off all the time as he gets older and into his uh, prime years. What's your thoughts on Wilson? Yeah, his running totals have dropped off pretty dramatically the last three years. And there was you know, some... You know, injury there at the beginning of last season where he was playing but wasn't fully healthy. But I think the last three seasons, his rushing yards have tailed off from about 750 to 550 to last year, more like 250. So even if he throws, and I certainly don't expect him to run much more than that this year. So if he throws like he did last year for 4,200 yards and, you know, throws and rushes for another 250, you know, that you're only looking at maybe the 12th best quarterback from a scoring standpoint there. You know, he just doesn't throw for a lot of you know, touchdowns and given all the, you know, bringing in Eddie Lacy and some of the other running backs, young running backs they have there now. Uh, and the fact they didn't really you know, do much at wide receiver in the off season, I, I really don't see that changing much. So to me, you know, he's a borderline starter in a one quarterback league. Okay, great. How about a couple of the uh, grizzled veterans? You mentioned uh, Carson Palmer and Andy Dalton, and then there's always good old Philip Rivers. Uh, so you think they're like good number twos to have, or are they worth starting? I, I would say they're mostly number twos. You know, those are guys that I would want as my second quarterback. If I if I have either, if I have any of those guys as my you know, number one quarterback, then I, I'd better have a really strong running back and wide receiver core. Uh, any quarterbacks that you would recommend uh, not not going for, avoiding? Um, we mentioned Russell Wilson, a couple other guys. You know, I know, again, this flies in the face of convention, but I'm not totally sold on Drew Brees for this coming mm-hmm. season. You know, I certainly don't think he's going to throw for 5,000 yards again, you know, given that you know they have Ingram and brought in Adrian Peterson and drafted, you know, a rookie running back out of Tennessee that's quite good too. Yeah, I just think that's, you know, I, I wouldn't 
think that he's necessarily going to finish in the top three or even top five. So, you know, I probably wouldn't pick him as early as you would need to in order to get him on your team. So Breeze, uh, Kirk Cousins in Washington, that situation seems to be somewhat of a mess there. You know, he lost most of his receivers from last year and his tight end is perpetually hurt, even though he's really talented and they have a decent running game. So he's somebody else I would stay away from. And then we already discussed Russell Wilson. How about, um, let me give you three more names and then we can move on. Uh, well, actually, I got four I want to ask you about. Roethlisberger, Cam Newton, and Andrew Luck. Yeah, Roethlisberger, for me, fits into that you know, Philip Rivers, Carson Palmer you know, group that we were talking about before. You know, just somebody that, um, you know, he, their running game is too good for him to really – you know, be throwing for, you know, for 40 touchdowns. So, you know, I, I just, you know, Got think it. that he's somebody that's a good second quarterback, but not somebody I would, you know, you know burn an early pick on. Uh, Cam Newton was another one you mentioned, I think. Yep. Cam, Cam and uh, Luck. Cam and Luck. Luck, his, you know, shoulder um, injury, you know, nobody's quite sure what to make of that. Again, he's, you know, I think he finished as the fourth-ranked quarterback in a lot of systems last year, um, scoring systems. But you know, he's somebody I would actively avoid this year just because of the uncertainty about his uh, shoulder. You know, if by some you know, you know, twist of fate he were still out there when I needed a second quarterback because everybody else in my league got scared of him too, then yeah, I might chance it because of the upside there. But yeah, I just mm-hmm. I don't want him as my first quarterback. I, I think there's too much risk there. And then um, Cam Newton, that's an interesting one, kind of like Wilson, you know, a lot of his value in his you know, prior years was tied to his, you know, rushing yardage. And you know, even though he had five rushing touchdowns last year, you know, his yards, you know, rushing yards were way down from previous seasons. And, you know, he's more likely a guy that's going to throw for 3,500 yards rather than, you know, 4,000 yards. So yeah, that tends to tamp down his yep. value a little bit. And now with, uh, Christian McCaffrey in there as a do-everything rookie running back. He's somebody that, again, to me, wouldn't be more than a second quarterback. Here's a wild card that I actually think is pretty good. I want to get your thoughts on it, and I think he's undervalued. Jay Cutler on Miami in that system. I like him as a number two. I, as a second quarterback, I'd be okay with that, but my my chief concern there is that you know, he's he's playing with new players and even if it's a system that he's familiar with the timing with the new receivers might not quite be there yet if i were going to speculate i might actually go with somebody like a carson wentz who you know also has new receivers but you know he has a mixture of new and returning guys and you know he's also been in that system for you know he's you know played with the current personnel and current coach for a year already or you know so i'm i'm not um I'm not real high on Jay Cutler going into the season. Uh, one last one, and then we'll move on. Uh, Prescott on the Cowboys. Uh, now he's got year two. He might not have Zeke for uh, a month or so. Uh, what's your thoughts? And the other, the rest of the league probably has studied him. I like him. I think he's going to get better. Um, the question, of course, there is how long is Elliott going to be out for, and can they have a, a – respectable running game, you know, without him, if not, if he's got to throw, you know, 40, 45 times a game, then you know, his you know, effectiveness might be limited. But assuming that, you know, they're able to have some kind of a running game there with McFadden, you know, I think he's a borderline starter in a 12 team league. And if not, certainly a very high, would be very high up on my list of uh, second quarterbacks. Got it. Okay, let's move to uh, running backs. Um, it seems like the top guns are David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell, um, I guess Shady McCoy, Melvin Gordon, uh, Devonta Freeman, uh, and maybe Jordan Howard. What are your thoughts on the top tier? I think there's a real um, sharp drop-off after Johnson um, I mean, Bell, yes, I'll, I'll put him in that same grouping with Johnson. But after those top two, I think you, know, mm-hmm. you could 
throw a, a blanket over some guys. I mean, I personally like Devonta Freeman a lot, assuming he's you know, recovered from his concussion. Todd Gurley is somebody a lot of people were high on going into last season, but had a really lousy season. I think you know, the Rams with their you know, second-year quarterback, Jared Goff, are going to be better this year on offense, and that'll open up some things for Gurley. Um, Jordan Howard, a lot of people are down on the Bears, especially now that um, Cameron Meredith is out for the season. But, you know, I think he's going to be one of those workhorse backs. You know, Melvin Gordon I like a lot. You know, you know, Sean McCoy is another good option. So, you know, I, I think all of those guys that you mentioned are in that, you know, first or second tier of running backs. And I might add a couple other names, but, you know, Please. by and large, I agree with that list. Uh, give us the other names. Um, Ty Montgomery with Green Bay, for instance, you know, he was a converted wide receiver last year, but you know, I think if he is really the featured back this year, you know, we all know he knows to, you know, he's a good receiver already. So if he could combine, you know, the, the rushing, you know, with the receiving yardage, I think you know, he's somebody that if he runs for 900 to 1,000 yards and catches, you know, 400 yards worth of passes, you know, that's somebody that's a top 10 back. So, yeah, that's the name that you don't hear really mentioned often with the top guys. Um, Jay Ajay, I think, is somebody that you know, came mm-hmm. on really well last year and I think is primed for another big season this year. You know, Mark Ingram is somebody that, you know, catches a fair amount of balls out of the backfield. And, you know, of course, he's got the rushing competition there with Peterson this year, but I'm not as high on Peterson as others. And, uh, I would throw um, a couple other names, DeMarco Murray in Tennessee and Joe Mixon, the rookie with uh, Cincinnati, would all be under consideration for me for the first round or two. Let's let's stay with these rookie backs. I'm going to maybe want to make a little mental list of these, but we can talk about, let's talk about all of them. So you've got Fournette on Jacksonville. You've got Kareem Hunt on Kansas City. You've got Dalvin Cook on Minnesota. You've got Mixon on Cincinnati. Um, who am I missing, Scott? Um, uh, McCaffrey. McCaffrey on uh, Carolina, and um, a couple of other. Guys. Those, yeah, those are the yeah. big names. Let's. What are your? Let's go through each one. If I had to rank them, I like Joe Mixon's situation the best in Cincinnati. He would be my number one rookie running back, followed by Dalvin Cook in Minnesota, Leonard Fournette in Jacksonville. And Kareem Hunt in Kansas City, and I would put McCaffrey um, toward. I would put him at the bottom of that list of top five rookies. And I know, you know that puts me in the distinct minority again. But you know they still have Jonathan Stewart, and to me, you know I envision that Carolina's offense will look kind of like it did when Stewart and D'Angelo Williams were sharing carries. That you know they're both credible. You know they're both decent second or third options as a running back, but mm-hmm. neither one of them is going to get enough work to justify being a, a number one running back for a fantasy team. Of course, you know, if McCaffrey is as good as advertised and blows away all the you know, preseason projections for him and, you know, relegates, um, you know, you know, Stewart to the bench, then, you know, all bets are off and he could easily end up being the most valuable rookie, but going into the season, that's not what I'm expecting. Now, uh, would you think that Mixon, is he a top uh, two, round two uh, pick, first rounder or second rounder? I mean, yeah, he could be I, had, I I'm think. sure. I'm sure he could be had in most leagues because uh, although he's highly regarded, I, haven't, I keep seeing you know, Fournette at the top, and lately he's been dropping a little bit. Cook, they had a lot of buzz, and, but the, you know, Minnesota's line stinks, uh, but it looks like he's going to play. And McCaffrey, to exactly to your point, we don't know how much, how many balls he's going to get. And then you've got Mixon, who's in a situation where he should, he has to beat out two other running backs, but he should be able to do that. So, um, give us a little more detail on uh, valuations for these guys, and, and uh, sure. where do you think they should go? Well, Mixon again is somebody that I think is a borderline, you know, first running back at the very least, uh, a high second pick. But, you know, he's somebody that will probably be around at least to the third or fourth round of a lot of um, drafts, I think. I don't think, you know, as you mentioned, he's got a couple other people there, Jeremy Hill, who 
you know, was injured during preseason and, you know, Giovanni Bernard, who I think is coming off a torn ACL or, you know, some pretty serious knee injury from last season. So, yeah, I, I think, you know, he'll do well there. You know, they've already got, you know, A.J. Green is a receiver, Brandon LaFell this year. They have the John Ross, the speedster rookie from right. Washington. So I think he's in a really good situation there just in terms of being, you know, to me, a pretty clear-cut number one running back in that situation, but, you know, not having to carry the offense. So that's why I would put him at the top of that pile. Um, Cook, yeah, they did sign Latavius Murray away from the Raiders this offseason, but, you know, by all accounts, it sounds, you know, just judging by the usage in preseason, it looks like they really want to feature Cook, and their wide receiver core isn't quite as good. You know, they've got Stephon Diggs and, you know, they've got a good tight end too, but not much else. So, you know, Kyle Rudolph. So I don't think Minnesota is as well-rounded on offense. Jacksonville, yeah, I love Fournette, but Blake Bortles hasn't really shown so much in his career. And mm-hmm. you know, if they can't have a credible passing game, that's just going to put a lot of pressure you know, on, on Fournette in the run game there. And Kansas City, you know, same sort of thing. I mean, they've got Tyreek Hill to throw to and, yeah, Alex Smith is a steady quarterback, but you know, again, he's somebody that you know you don't want starting on your team, on your fantasy team, if you can help it. So you know they're going to be. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know that they have a credible enough passing game to really you know take a lot of pressure off of Hunt. Mm-hmm. No, it makes perfect sense. So it's really about uh, for the rookie running backs being in the right situation where you have a clear path to starting and you don't have to be the entire focus of the offense, uh, like Fournette, for instance. Even though he was the number four pick in the draft, he's on a, a pretty crappy offense, and uh, he's already been nicked up a little bit uh, on the same leg, I think, as he got hurt last year, even though it's in a different place. The injury is a, it's not the, it's a foot injury, but it's not an ankle yeah. injury. But Because um, he's supposed to be a special explosive talent, but I see him dropping on the boards now, and I'm like thinking – well, maybe he's value, but then, as you say, Mixon keeps moving up, and he's kind of under the radar. I was high on Cook for a while, and then I, w- I was watching a preseason game with Minnesota, and I'm like, this is the worst offensive line in the NFL. Uh, well, I don't include the Jets because I don't, I don't consider the Jets in the NFL right now, but it was really bad. I mean, I, I'm, I feel bad for Sam Bradford because he has no protection whatsoever, and uh, these guys can't open the, the, the lanes up for the running backs, and you know, Cook is he, he's going to have some tough sledding. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, you know, again, it's preseason, and you know, they're they're certainly not going to give away their you know, their their playbook in preseason. But like you said, you know, running backs. I mean, the the offensive line. You know, those guys are supposed to open running lanes, whether it's a you know humdrum preseason play or the you know the playoffs. So. Uh, you know, what you see is probably what you get there. So that's why I wouldn't be as high on Cook as I, you know, would on Nixon then. But, I mean, take a look last year with Ezekiel Elliott. He was a rookie Mm -hmm. running back, but he walked into a situation where even though the Cowboys had a rough season two years ago, he was coming in, really good offensive line. You know, know, Des Bryant there is a good receiver, and Jason Witten – you know, the wild card there was nobody knew how good Dak Prescott was going to be. Right. And, you know, right. His ability to throw the ball took a lot of pressure off of Elliott in the running game and opened things up for him then. Let's throw a couple of other names on, at you, and then I want to play a little game where we kind of say, okay, who's more valuable? Uh, I'll give you two running backs and we can compare them. So you mentioned you like Gurley as a, as a bounce back. How about uh, Isaiah Crowell on Cleveland? I'm reading a lot of hype on him, and I'm seeing him moving up the boards also. What are your thoughts? Um, he's he's somebody that, you know, again, to me, he's kind of in the same area where I would put somebody like Mark Ingram or Lamar Miller. You know, mm-hmm. to me, you know, Crowell, he's kind of a, a borderline first, you know, high option for a second running back. You know, I think Cleveland's offense, you know, whether it's, you know, hopefully Kaiser, you know, taking the quarterback job and running with it. I think they should be a little bit better than they were last year. I mean, they're going right. you know, to miss Terrence Pryor, but they have Kenny Britt and a you know, good rookie tight end there. So, yeah, I think Crowell is, is a decent option, but you know, to me he's ideally a second running back on your team rather than the, your first one. How about uh, Marshall Lynch coming back? 
uh, he's only 31. He sat out last year, and now he's with his hometown Raiders. He's got a pretty stocked offensive line, a lot of weapons, great quarterback, as we mentioned, good, good, very good wideouts, and now they've got a tight end. Is he going to be feasting on that, or is he going to need the ball? Or does he become, you know, the inside the, uh, inside the 20 red zone guy? I could see him rushing for 900 yards or, or so. You know, I don't think he's going to be a thousand yard back. They've already mentioned that they want to try to limit his touches. And when the coaching staff is saying that in training camp, you know, that tends to get my attention in terms of rankings. You know, I take them at their word that they're going to rely you know, pretty heavily on the other two you know, young running backs that they have there to spell him. And you know, to me, that keeps him out of consideration to be you know, a running back one. You know, even if he hadn't sat out a year and, you know, the, just the concerns you would naturally have with a 31-year-old running back then, even if he hadn't taken a, a year off. Mm-hmm. How about, uh, and I'm reading good things, and I saw some video of him, and he looked, he looked slender and fast, and that's Carlos Hyde on San Francisco. I know, again, it's not the ba- best situation, but he looked improved. He, he's pretty, he seemed pretty steady to me. As a number two back, I think he'd be fine. I'm not quite as optimistic on him okay. again to okay. me, just Sam, not so much because of him, but I just think San Francisco's offense is probably not much better than the Jets offense. And therefore wow. I'd you know, be trying to avoid him just because I don't think they're going to okay. have much semblance of a throwing game and that'll put too much pressure on him. Okay. Um, uh, Galise Lee, uh, I don't know if that's the way you pronounce his name, but the new running back on the Patriots, he's also getting a lot of, uh, you know, arrows pointing upwards. And I'm wondering because uh, that's a very unpredictable offense to uh, try to determine what happens with uh, how they spread the ball out. It's, uh, it's not typical. And also uh, we'll get into this later, but I want to talk about the Patriots offense as a whole, because you've got uh, a new dynamic with Edelman out. You've got a healthy Gronk. You've got uh, different running backs. Blount's not there anymore. Uh, how do you, how, we'll talk about how you see that shaking out, but let's just start with Gleasy as a, a running back. I'm seeing him, I think, overrated, overvalued. Yeah, Gilles, I think you know, he, he did well last year um, for, for Buffalo, and, mm-hmm. you know, and, and Belichick certainly has a way of taking guys that are sort of cast-offs or all, you know, afterthoughts on other teams and turning them into studs for his team then. But yeah, I don't think he's going to score the 18 touchdowns that, um, that uh, LeGarrette Blunt did last year for the Patriots. But yeah, I could see him being somebody that rushes for 650 yards and, you know, scores half a dozen touchdowns. He's not going to catch much, you know, kind of like Blunt. So to me, that, that's, sounds you know you add that all up and that sounds to me like a flex option rather than you know a top uh two or three running back then okay let me throw one more name at you and then we'll move on to uh another position um uh what's it? oh doug martin yeah he's somebody that you know if he were if he were you know not suspended for the first three games i think he would probably be going you know, high, high to mid second round, missing the first three games, you're probably, you know, I, I wouldn't want to take him before, you know, the, you know, maybe the, the late third, early fourth round. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you got you know, to handcuff him too. Oh, I see right. him. Uh, speaking of injuries, um, yeah. go ahead, go ahead, Scott, continue. Yeah, I, I'm not a big fan of the idea of handcuffs, but uh, we can get more into that later if there's time. But uh, when well, we carry let's, on. Uh, Let's uh, let's let's keep that concept alive, and we'll talk about Zeke um, because um, I, 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 it's interesting. In my league, uh, the guy with the number, the owner with the number four, four or five pick, uh, let him go, and he had got him in a, some crazy trade last year, and he let him go. So he doesn't have rights to him for the next three years. I mean, he's a free agent. So I'm wondering when he's going to get picked. Is he going to get picked immediately? Is he a first round or is he early first round now? And if you draft Zeke, do you have to pick up McFadden or, and, or Morris? What do you do in those situations? And then take us uh, through that. And then your philosophy on handcuffs. Um, Well, in a dynasty league, in a keeper league like that, I 
think, you know, chances are, you know, I don't know how many other first-round you know, picks were forfeited, you know, with keepers. I'm guessing probably not many, but yeah, given the format that you're able to keep it, well, actually, if you took him in the first or second round, you'd probably throw him back next year. So my guess is that somebody will probably take him, you know, by early in the second round of your of your draft there. You know, whereas if this is a one-year league, again, I'm probably not looking to add him right. to the third or fourth round, but given that you could, you know, potentially keep it. Actually, I, I don't think it's that different because, you know, if you're picking him in the first round this year, I, you wouldn't be able to keep him next year, would you? Yeah, you can keep him. He stays in number one. Oh, okay. And that's what I found. Um, I found it interesting that the, that the team that owns him, they, they only kept two, they only kept two players and they tossed Zeke back. And so now they have what turns out to be like the third, the third, the third pick in the draft. It's interesting because I go last, I go 12th and I have the sixth and seventh pick. So I'm wondering, am I going to have Zeke uh, on my hands to make a decision about him? Because I'm not sure if the other guys, if the first five picks, if he's going to go. Um, given that you can keep him for at least a year, my guess would be that he would, that somebody would figure, you know, if I can have him for two seasons, that, uh, you know, he's worth forfeiting up to 16 or or he actually is oh, almost three years. In our, our league, it's actually four years. You get him his first year, then he becomes an A, and then, then he becomes a B, then he becomes a C, and then you get rid of him. So you keep him for three years. So he's a four year yeah, it's a four year contract. Yeah, if you could keep him for four years and just forfeit the first pick each time, you know, if I thought the rest of my team was going to be pretty good and I'd be picking toward you know, from the middle to the back of the first round, I would probably do mm-hmm. it. Then, you know, use a top five pick with him. But if not, you know, if he's there for you then you know, I would I would certainly think that would be a worthwhile pick then in the first round. Okay. <clears throat> Let's talk about whiteouts. And then you were now. asking about handcuffs. Quickly. Yes. Uh, Sorry. Sorry. I just generally think that if you handcuff a guy, then you're only going to have at most, you know, one of those two players, you know, right. active at any given point in time. And yes, there's a chance if you don't handcuff them that you're going to wind up with you know zero useful running backs. But I'd much rather you know, take the chance that you know, somebody else that I pick is going to turn into a good running back and that I'll end up with, you know, two good running backs. And so I you know, would typically avoid handcuffs unless the guy so is really injury prone. So don't use the extra slot. Just pick somebody else who'll play and uh, don't that worry would be about my preference. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I agree with you. Um, good thought. Um, let's talk about wideouts who they were the sexy position. And to me, there's a handful of super studs and then there's a, there's a pretty significant drop off. And then there's a ton of guys who are all pretty good. And it always seems like you can find somebody who steps out of the woodwork uh, during the season and wideouts. But let me just mention, you know, the obvious top tier in my league, all these guys are gone already. Uh, Antonio Brown, Julio Jones, Julio Jones, uh, OJB, uh, A.J. Green, Mike Evans, and that's where it stops. Um, so you have Jordy Nelson. Um, actually, somebody kept Michael Thomas, which I actually don't see him in a top 10, but he's there. Um, Jordy Nelson's available. Dez is available. Cooks has moved up now. Uh, Doug Baldwin's available. Somebody did keep Cooper, but uh, T.Y. Uh, Hilton's available. Um, your thoughts on uh, – the is there a drop off? Is that you know top six guys? Are they are they the top six guys? Brown, Jones, Beckham, Green, Evans, and uh, Jordy. Yeah, I I think yeah if Jordy Nelson were there with one of those two picks that you have, you know that would definitely be worthwhile. Um, some of the other running, uh, some of the other receivers that I have at that level, I think you mentioned Cooper had been taken already. Yeah. Nelson, maybe if it's a Keeper league, I would consider it, but for a one-year league, yeah, I would not, just because again of the uncertainty with Andrew Luck. And if I end up taking, you know, T.Y. Hilton with a second-round pick, and then it's Scott Holzien throwing to him for half a dozen games this year, then I'm, you know, not going to be happy about that. Brandon Cook, you know, sure, there's always the adjustment to a new quarterback, but as you mentioned before, Edelman out for the season, so Cooks is 
you know, pretty much the default number one there. So I could see him having a really big year. I think you mentioned uh, Demarius Thomas when we were talking on yeah. Twitter last week as somebody that you kept in her high on. Um, Michael Crabtree is another guy, you know, from Oakland that I'm high on. Um, DeAndre Hopkins would be higher on him, but, you know, the quarterback situation is a mess there. And then uh, somebody this? like Golden Tate in Detroit, you know, Matthew Stafford, good, solid quarterback, maybe mm-hmm. not the top tier, but, you know, Tate has had, I think, three years in a row now of 90-plus receptions and, you know, 1,000 yards or close to it. So, you know, those are some of the guys that I'd be looking at in the first couple rounds as receivers. How about Dez and uh, Doug Baldwin? I see Doug Baldwin being pushed up the boards quite, quite a bit. Yeah, um, Dez I would put pretty much you know right at that same level where I had Golden Tate there. And then you know, Baldwin, I think there's a little bit of a drop-off, but not too much. So you know, if I extend that boundary, you know, Baldwin to me would be sort of in the same category with Emmanuel Sanders in Denver and Alshon Jeffrey in Philadelphia, Allen Robinson in Jacksonville, you know, more in that, in that tier. Um, how about guys like, you know, Alshon Jeffrey, he's on a one-year uh, contract. Um, he, I, I had him three different years, and he, he came through one year, and the other years he was just injured all the time, and now he's on Philly. He's got Carson Wentz throwing to him. He's on a one-year deal. I don't know. What do you think, Sherpa? Yeah, he's just because it's a new team and a new quarterback for him. And yeah, as you mentioned, the injury concerns, he's somebody that you know, for me is, you know, hopefully, you know, I can get him as a second or maybe even third wide receiver. You know, if he were healthy and played up to his potential, he's probably a wide receiver one, but, you know, just in terms of, of drafting, you know, I, probably would be looking at him as at best a a third wide receiver and hoping that he stays healthy and produces up to his potential Mm -hmm. then. Okay. All right. This is guys, guys radio. Our special guest is Scott Sweeney, the fantasy football Sherpa. Scott, we're going to take a very quick break and we're going to be right back in one moment. All right. We're back. We're back with the Sherpa and we're talking fantasy football here on guys, guys radio. We've been talking about wide receivers. Um, Give us some uh, sleeper picks for wideout, Scott. Okay. Um, Terrell Williams with the Chargers is somebody that you know, stepped in and did a really nice job last year when Keenan Allen went out. And speaking of Keenan Allen, I see him still going in the second and third round of a lot of drafts. And to me, you know, with somebody with that injury history, that's just way too high. I mean, I think if you're doing the standard, you know, one-year league your your first four choice your first four picks you don't want to be taking chances with you know you want good solid guys I mean maybe if a top round talent like Zeke Elliott falls to the third or fourth round because of the suspension then you know that that's fine but I, I wouldn't want to take a guy like a Keenan Allen or a, um, you know or an Alshon Jeffrey or somebody like that even a Terrell Pryor to me that's just too much risk um, this year yeah, Eric Decker in Tennessee is an interesting case. You know, it's a new team, but he's with a team that has a really high octane offense potentially. He's got an up and coming you know, quarterback in Marcus Mariota. So yeah, I think he's somebody that you can probably get in a later round, but um mm-hmm. you know, could could make a difference for you. And how about you know, go ahead. Uh rookies. I I I I neglected to mention uh in the, in the same vein as the rookie running backs, now we've got a crop of rookie wide receivers. And, you know, in the past, rookie wide receivers didn't get the ball, but lately they've been getting the ball. So what do you think? You know, there's Corey Davis, there's Mike Williams on the Chargers. They've got different injury things. What, what's your thought on that crop? Is there anybody worth taking with a mid-round yeah, pick? Yeah, um, Day Jones in Buffalo should be their top receiver, so he's – uh, again, I don't really think much of Buffalo's passing game, but he's somebody that stands out to me among the rookie wide receivers just in terms of the the situation that he's in should give him a lot of opportunities. You know, our Darius Stewart with the Jets, I don't really want any part of the Jets offense if I can help it, but, you know, even the really lousy teams have, you know, several thousand yards in passing yardage. Somebody's going to catch that ball, and I'm not as sold on Robbie Anderson as a lot of people seem to be, so... And to me, that suggests Stewart will get a lot of opportunity. Kenny Galladay with Detroit, probably a third wide receiver, but 
somebody that I could see, you know, getting a fair amount of usage there. Um, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster with the Steelers, and then you mentioned uh, Corey Davis with uh, Tennessee before. So those are probably my top five in terms of rookie wide receivers going into the season. Got it. Um, let's quickly uh, move to tight end. Uh, you've got uh, Gronk, you've got uh, Travis Kelsey, uh, and you've got uh, Wilson. What's your thoughts on Gronk? He's healthy now, but I don't see him uh, as highly valued as I anticipated. And he, he could be, to me, uh, to turn around, uh, he might be somebody worth considering because, you know, if you've got your top seven or eight wideouts off the table and Gronk's sitting there, maybe Gronk and a running back are worth putting together or something. I don't know. What's your feelings about Gronk overall? To me, there's two issues there. One, as you alluded to, he's got a pretty lengthy injury history. And even though he's healthy now, I wouldn't necessarily count on him being there for 16 games. Second thing is just because there's so many new offensive weapons for Tom Brady this year, mm-hmm. it's kind of hard to know, you know how good is Brandon Cook's going to be. If he's really you know, a step down from Randy Moss, if he's that good, then you know, that'll take some of the pressure off of you know, the, you know, Brady needing to throw to Gronkowski all the time. But you know, in all likelihood, he's still going to catch 1,000 yards worth of passes. He's still going to be the primary target in the red zone. So he's still, to me, the pretty clear-cut, you know, first tight end that should be off the board, but relative to where, you know, you saw him picked in the first and second round of drafts as recently as last year, yeah, I, I would probably think he'll last until the second, maybe even the third round in a lot of drafts this year, which to me is, is you know, probably too high to take him given his um, risk uh, factors there. Yeah, I'd rather wait and try to get somebody like a Delaney Walker with Tennessee or a Greg Olson with Carolina or even wait a lot okay. longer and take Jack Doyle with Indianapolis. Got it. Um, okay. As I, we, I don't think we need to talk. If, if there's any uh, defense that stands out, uh, kind of a sleeper defense, I think we all know about Denver and Seattle and Kansas City and Houston. Give us, just throw a couple of sleeper defenses at, at us that we might want to consider. Uh, I'll go with the Rams, the Falcons, and... Yeah, Jacksonville. Interesting. Great picks. I love it. Uh, as I mentioned earlier in the show, I wanted to uh, do a thing with running backs where I throw a couple of names at you and you just pick one rank over the other guy. So let's start with uh, Gurley and Zeke. Okay. Uh, Gurley and Fournette. Gurley. Okay. Fournette and Hunt. Um. I'll go. Um, I'll go with Fournette, but barely. Okay, Fournette and Mixon. Mixon. Okay, Crowell and Lamar Miller. Uh, toss up, but I'll take Miller slightly. Uh, Cook and McCaffrey. Um, Cook. Okay. Uh, Marshall Lynch or Mark Ingram? Okay, let me give you one more. Frank Gore or Bilal Powell? Um, Gore. Got it. Okay. Any uh, any other kind of closing thoughts, insights that you have for our listeners, Scott? No, I mean, just in general, save the defense and the kicker for the last couple picks. Just stash you know, as many running backs and wide receivers as you can, particularly if they're talented backups. You know, playing behind injury-prone starters. Okay. Uh, all right, great. Well, listen, Scott, you're, you're the best, and uh, I take copious notes whenever we talk on Guys Guys Radio concerning fantasy football. You've been super helpful. By the way, you helped me last year. I had a couple questions for you late in the year, and I actually I got – I had to pass by a tiebreaker of four teams to get into the playoffs last year. <laughs> And based on some of your recommendations, I got through the playoffs and I played a team that had only lost one game and I beat them in the finals. It was the greatest comeback in in the history of the league. People were shocked. Uh, But I knew I had, I knew the team was lined up. And to me in fantasy football, when you're going into the playoffs and you have the right pieces in the right place at the right time, there is a, a, a sense of momentum where 
everything's just clicking. Uh, you know, you can start out, you can have some bad games, but when, if you drafted well and, and you manage your team through the season and you can put together that starting nine, you can win and you can be, anybody can beat any other team in any game. And that's what makes fantasy football so much fun. So I want to thank you for being on the show and, and for your advice. And also please once again, tell our listeners where they can find you and your service and et cetera. And sure. Show. Um, my, my website is fantasy football, Sherpa, S H E R P A.com. My Twitter handle is at fantasy underscore Sherpa. I also have a Facebook page, fantasy football, Sherpa.com, which doubles as a blog. And I have a weekly podcast during the season. That's called fourth and inches with Jenna and the Sherpa. And I think it's our eighth season coming up starting oh, wow. next week. Is next week the first show? Um, yes, yes. Yeah, not quite sure what night yet, but I'll figure it out and post on social media. But as always, Robert, thanks again for the opportunity to be on the show with you. Great. All right. Thanks so much, Scott. Be well, and uh, congrats again on your uh, being a married man, and uh, I hope everything's going great for you. Thanks a lot, Robert. All right. Take care. All right, folks, that's our show. As I promised you, all football, and we had the best. We've got the fantasy football Sherpa, Scott Sweeney. He, he really is a guy you want to keep up with. You can follow him on Twitter also uh, and Facebook. And uh, as I said, he's helped me win. So I hope he'll help you win also. So remember, uh, like I always say, guys, guys, finish first.